There is no time like the 2020s to start a company, to start a startup. You know, with the rise of the internet, you can learn anything at a very low cost, if not for free. You can build anything without needing to know how to code with tools like Bubble and Adalo. And you can get the word out about your products for free by using, you know, sites like Twitter, Product Hunt, and Reddit. There's no time like the 2020s to build a company. Yet one element of kind of entrepreneurship and company building that hasn't caught up with the times is venture capital. Unless you live, you know, in San Francisco or New York, chances are you may know what venture capital is, but you may not really know how it works. You may not know who the good VCs are, and you may not know how they think. So with this podcast of Forward Thinking Investors, I wanna dive into this world. I wanna help anyone in the world understand what is venture capital, who are the great venture capitalists, and how do they think about their day-to-day with the goal to help more people understand how it works so they can go out and raise capital for themselves. And they can build a billion dollar companies just like you know Larry did at Google or Travis did at Uber or Katrina did at Stitch Fix. That can be you, but it just takes some education. And I'm using this podcast as a medium to teach everyone more about venture capital. So if you want to learn about it, you want to dive in, you want to meet some awesome investors, stick around, listen to some episodes, and I, and I hope you enjoy. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Except for today. Today, we are having an investor segment, which I'm really excited to kind of have. We are talking with Zeka Len, who's a general partner at Responsibly Ventures. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Matt, it's going great. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to, to chat with you on your show for some time. So excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I feel like we're both kind of uh, members of the Twitter sphere, you know, tech, tech Twitter, kind of that whole world. I'm so still it's trying definitely... to get you to follow me, though. I've been working hard on this. You got to follow your uh, your biggest fans. Yeah, I I I I kind of like try not to follow. Like <laughs> no. to be honest, my so my strategy on Twitter is I try to follow as like as many founders as I possibly can. And yeah. because there's so many investors, I decided like I don't know, like three months ago, oh, maybe gosh. like six months ago. Because the thing is, because when you, it's not about like a like uh, liking or not, it's about priming the algorithm, right? I and like, like my Good whole work. job is to find founders. So like, that's why yeah. like, I pretty much follow founders these days. You know what? I like your strategy. You just shared your strategy in the open. Don't do that. You can oh man, no, I, I, I'm, I'm totally, I have, I have nothing to hide. I think I have like, at this point, like 500 secrets on like how, how I've gone to this point. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm happy to share, you know, five or 10 of them. You're, you're following in the footsteps of uh, Jason Calacanis being so open and candid and helpful that way. Yeah, I, Jason, um, I mean, huge, you know, huge inspiration to me. I mean, we actually, I mean, he was involved with my last company. So I actually, I got to know him a little bit and oh, damn, he's like, uh, he's, he's a fantastic partner and just a fantastic investor. Um, but anyways, all right. So no one, you know, you know, so you're ultimately, you know, you're an investor, you're on the podcast. Let's kind of start with kind of who are you, if you can kind of give like a high level, overview of what you do and maybe a little overview of responsibly ventures just to give everyone an intro then we can kind of dive in all right okay well i I think first i'll just start with the fund the funds it's a pre-seed fund and um we focus on these sub 10 10 million post money types of opportunities and um it's a sustainability and social good focused fund so i kind of gear the fund toward toward impact that's kind of the lens we use and it's a u.s focused fund 
my, my background, I, I was an environmental economist way back in the day. Uh, I was a data scientist slash data engineer, led some quant teams in quantitative finance, and then kind of leaned into venture the last few years, have been a full-time angel investor before launching this fund for about three years, um, got, uh, you know, invested in about 40 startups across the U.S., all focused on sustainability and social good from pre-seed to, to A, one Series B deal, but the rest are pretty much all seed deals. And I would talk about that. I'm really proud of the performance and just that I got to test that through the process of learning how to be an angel investor and um, applying it to the work I do today. So I'm kind of curious there, you know, in some ways being an angel investor and being kind of a, a venture capitalist or managing someone else's money, some ways it's very similar in other ways. I mean, it's not at all. I'm curious, can you kind of like outline what have been the big similarities or differences from your angel investing career to now kind of having a fund? Is there anything that, anything that sticks out that kind of is, you know, extremely different or extremely similar that kind of, uh, kind of, kind of sticks out in your mind? Really good question. Well, first and foremost, I, I have to say humbly that I have only ran a couple few very small businesses and have never tried to scale toward venture capital. So I'm incredibly humbled by the founders who are gearing themselves toward venture capital. I have to say I've kind of borrowed a lot of the insights from the thousands of calls I've had with them and interviews and et cetera, just, just getting to know what the constraints of venture capital look like also with the VCs um, on the podcast interview, et cetera. Um, Having said all of that, um, to your question, as an angel investor, I would say that there's a very strong similarity in that as an angel investor, you tend to be putting up your own money on a percentage basis that's somewhat similar. So let's say you're running a syndicate, you're putting in, say, a couple few, 5% on a per deal basis, or you're investing directly, or you're investing through a syndicate, you're paying actual carry out of your own capital into those deals. I would say that your, your vested interests are aligned in the same way that you are as a general partner of a fund, because in the U.S., and I think in most places in the world, uh, general partners invest a percentage of their own net worth into the actual fund. Now, some founders have ways to not invest up to, say, 5%. Uh, they can sort of monetize it through the cash flows of the fund to then reinvest as capital, uh, general partners. But at the end of the day, you're investing your own money into a fund and, and LPs like to see that, that you're aligned in interest. And that, that's why the, the uh, carried interest and the management fee component exists actually. And kind of as someone in your position, you know, you're out there looking for, you know, looking for alpha, right? Looking for great founders to back, looking for industries that are interesting to you. I'm curious in like today's environment and just 2021 as a whole, there's a lot going on. And like, what are, what are what, like a lot, like what are some of the, I mean, not even markets, but what are some trends or things that you're paying attention to? It could be technologies, could be markets, but like what's catching your attention or what caught your attention in 2021? Oh, okay. You're getting everybody excited right at the beginning of the show. I like your style, Matt. This is great. Okay. Well, I don't want to like do too much like promotional stuff, but I think where I can say that the things that fascinate me personally is this intersection of positive impact and what that means is dynamic. Uh, I don't necessarily have a, a grasp on what that looks like in all cases. Um, I use lots of frameworks as a, as a guidepost for sustainability. So for my focus, I use the UN Sustainable Development Goals as, as a proxy for the types of deals that align with, with um, the motivation thesis of our fund. So for example, um, 
the SDGs are these 17 components that align everything from water impact to climate to social impact to health to um, land-based use uh, and, and community and economic impact and industrial impact across these 12 components of sustainability. And in the fund, um, on a per deal basis, I look for opportunities that are largely overlooked by very vertical specific investors. So I narrow, what I do is the thesis, we narrow the, the scope to the US fund one. And I look for impact focused deals that are geared toward what I call VC impact. And then in addition to that, I look for uh, the deals that are less um, obvious to let's say climate tech investors or health tech investors or um, you know, social commerce investors or consumer investors that may have multiple overlapping impact components that are gearing toward more sustainability. So it's a, it's kind of a purpose-driven fund in that way. And what that just basically does, it narrows down the set to a, a set of investors that that um, have a motivation for impact. Many of these founders have incredible life stories, reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. You'll see just a tweet uh, tweet storm from yesterday on on my Twitter account put out a question like, what is the positive impact your positive impacts, plural, your startups are making? And um, you get everything across the board from people working in terms of uh, age tech to, uh, you know, fair lending to, um, you know, sexual wellness to um, environmental mitigation, et cetera, et cetera. I basically am able to, and I am able to connect with this, this broad set of investors who have a, a very strong social and economic and environmental mission attached to their business. And the question isn't, you know, who are these founders? The question is, which ones of them can scale this business toward venture capital? And that's really where my work comes in. It's um, trying to work with those founders, get them geared up for venture capital and the constraints. So I hopefully I didn't throw out too much there, but that's, that's the focus. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think it's just like a smart strategy in general, kind of looking where other investors aren't. That's where that's where the opportunity is for sure. Thank you. Um, how do you, I'm curious, like venture capital is such a weird industry. <laughs> Let's talk about it. I love it. You can't like, I feel like you can't just read a book and become okay. a VC and like you kind of like you, you're in it and you get it and you understand the social dynamics of it, right? Yeah, exactly. It kind of takes some time, right? To actually it understand does. what game you're playing. What was your journey like? Um, and you can take this from whatever angle that you want. I but like, that. How did you just like learn the game of venture mm -hmm. capital? And I mean, and you're probably still learning. We're all still oh, learning, yeah. even the it, experts. So how do you, treat, a, how, how do you, treat I, want, this? I love this question. I'm so eager to, to, to respond that I interrupted you. I apologize for that. And um, no worries. I, there's a great documentary that I just rewatched for like the 10th time on, it's on YouTube. You can rent it. It's called Something Ventured. Uh, have you seen that film? I have not, but I definitely need to. I, I, I've heard yeah. of it a few different times now and it's kind of a sign I have to, I have to watch it. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, and there are so many little kind of nuggets of wisdom and value in that film from seasoned venture capitalists. I mean, the, the industry spans back about 50 years with um, huh, uh, the first name that came to mind was Arthur Rock and, and um, uh, sorry, the, the first founder of uh, Sequoia and the, the Traitorous Eight and the origins of Silicon Valley, which was based in silicon production of computer chips in San Francisco Bay Area. And at the time when they first started their pursuit to discover this new emerging field of venture capital, there was there was really no playbook. Um, they they basically had to go out and collectively, you know, as small funds, 
and find a deal and then cooperatively go out and find, say, like a corporation, a bank, et cetera, et cetera, to back that individual deal, sort of like a syndicate, you could say. And then they slowly started to discover like, hey, we can actually raise funds for these things. And they share a lot of those stories. Um, I don't know if I'm actually answering your question. Could you repeat the question? Yeah, no, I guess like for you in in specific, I mean, you started angel investing That's and it. then you kind of jumped into, you know, you're, you're now kind of in the, in the fund world. I guess personally, like what maybe what have you learned yeah, about this it. industry that you've kind of maybe taken away that you maybe didn't know five, 10 years ago or from reading a book? I appreciate that. Do you want the controversial version? <laughs> oh, you know me. I mean, like I always want the controversial version. Uh, yeah, Whatever okay. version you want to share, I'm game for. The one that gets me into trouble. I like that. Well, okay. So for one, I mean, the venture capital industry is at today's state uh, highly unfair. And it is um, not necessarily ethical. It's not necessarily um, geared toward um, human, you know, just uh, in, uh, cultural, racial, uh, gender inclusion. And these elements um, are going to change through time. And, you know, they're going to change positively. Um, but we're going through a growing pain right now because, um, you know, uh, the world, the world <laughs> includes many different perspectives and many different backgrounds and lifestyles and many different markets that need to be served. And so um, that aspect is one that to me is, is meaningful. I think that the more inclusion we can have in the industry, the more statistics that show representation, that's amazing. I, I think that's a trend we're gonna continue to see. Um, some of the less obvious aspects I think um, is just how important relationships are and how to develop those relationships uh, is, is kind of an art, an art in itself. And um, showing value can be done in, I think, way more ways than I would, than I even realized when I first started. So how can I even, I'll give you an example. So I had a founder today call me, and I'm going to be very careful because I'm very guarded about all my founders, regardless of if I invest in them or not. But they have a very advanced situation where uh, could cause a real problem in terms of negative signaling, called negative signaling, right? Um, and so I, the thing about this relationship is that they have a family office attached to their to, to their background. So I just candidly said, you know, I'm raising funds right now under 506C for, for responsibly ventures. This seems like a very complicated legal situation. I can't give you legal advice. I can't steer you toward a particular outcome, but I want to show that there's some sort of value here. I'm giving you candid feedback about something that is probably going to material, materially affect your efforts going forward. So I just privately shared a couple thoughts and I said, this is not advice. This is only private feedback. And, um, and so I developed good rapport there. And so this aspect of rapport and building relationships based on trust and recognition and empathy and these aspects, it's very overlooked in my opinion. And um, you know, we, we talk about the, the ethics surrounding warm intros, um, you know, democratizing the space, et cetera. I think those are all very important questions. But I think what's also very important is to have um, like a high level of empathy and the engagements and, and obviously ethics, you know, it's all a relationship business. We have to operate at a very high level of integrity. I think all of us have to in the industry. Does that How make sense? You, oh, it makes sense. total sense. I awesome. mean, that that's, that's the, that's, I mean, the whole game is like relationships and how to build them, how to get them building trust, et cetera. 
Unfortunately, though, you know, probably every founder in the world, even if they're born in Silicon Valley, at some point, they like are they don't know they don't have many of the relationships or, you know, for most, I mean, that aren't born in the Valley or New York, they have no relationships. So they kind of need to like learn on the go, like how to build them, how to foster them, how to leverage them, etc. Do you have any maybe tips for let's oh, yeah. call it just a first time founder you know just the first time ever no sure. family in venture anything like that <laughs> that they just want to like kind of step their toes in and, and build something great what advice yeah. would you give them if they you know wanted to start building relationships but don't necessarily know how to start that's a great question matt um, i'm going to try to try to take a crack at this one so in my, in my view one thing i see with early founders is they just don't realize that there's kind of like Twitter spaces, Clubhouse, these places where we can engage. They don't know about platforms like yours where you can you can get deal flow to particular funds based on strategy and you know thesis and things like that. Um, some of these founders they fall into traps like you know pay to pay to pitch. You know I don't know pay us five thousand dollars and we'll give you one night in front of investors. There's no guarantee they'll invest. That that type style of uh, side of the industry in my view is very predatory. And um, so I would say for the most part, there, there are some resources to steer, steer a, a first-time founder away from less favorable uh, opportunity sets. Um, for example, um, there are just, you know, you, you can get access to credit cards, obviously Brex may be one to look at, but you know, you may, you may not want to put a bunch of money on a credit card and, and things like that. So I would say that focusing on execution for one and focusing on, um, on getting your product to market, an MVP state um, where you have you know, a testable hypothesis that you ran through with your customers, understanding what those customer needs are and really gearing your product toward that gets you at least in the state where you can start having a serious conversation with angels. And then also I'd say that, that getting advisors uh, behind you early on, even one or two advisors that are not angel investors that have a very strong industry focus, and you really want to align with them, you want to give them, uh, you know, maybe one, you know, half a percent of equity over three years or something like that on a vesting schedule that's very sensible, um, and not paying them cash. Those types of things can actually they're kind of signs of traction, in my opinion. So you can get, you know. On, per, on shares, these advisors that align on interest, they start making intros to angels. They can start introducing you to potential customers. They can give you great positive feedback. You get angels in that are the advisors that may, maybe even cutting a 10K check. Maybe you take on, say, five, 10, 10K checks. A couple of those are advisors. You know, maybe it's mostly just strategic because their networks are there, et cetera. Um, and starting to maybe look at your co founding team. Do you have people that are, you know, going to offer different aspects? To, to the team. One thing I see a lot, as I see a lot of founders that take on too many founders and co-founders, they take on too many you know, early employees and things like that. They have 20 people on the deck and that to me just signals kind of too many mouths to feed. Um, so you know, how are you gonna be capital efficient? Are you gonna have to lay all these people off or, or cut, cut them when you, know, you actually have to pay them, things like that. So there's kind of a delicate balance in, in that regard, in my opinion. I don't know if I'm going over the deep end, but you kind of get the idea. Oh, no, this is this is golden. I mean, I'm probably gonna like take take the take that snippet it and like put it on Twitter because that's that's like I mean that's it's almost like that. it's almost like there's a you know an industry where you raise your 
you know, your angel, pre-seed, seed, A, B, C, D, all the way through IPO. But what people don't really think about is within pre-seed, there is that in itself, which you just kind of outlined. It's like starting with, you know, potential angels or advisors or co-founders or things like this. Like, you know, these are things that no one tells founders, you know, that are outsiders, right? So I think it's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Price with uh, Co-Founders Lab. He's really, they're doing a tremendous job in, in getting founders um, access to different like co-founders and other talent, things like that. So I wanted to give a shout out. Yeah, hundred percent. He he's also I've seen him on the Twitter sphere as well. And I guess I think one of my last questions I want to ask is, you know, about you know, you know, I I think I discovered Co-founders Lab too. Also on Twitter, I think we I discovered you and we we met each other on Twitter or Clubhouse. The best. Can you yeah. kind of like walk walk me through like why? you know, why should founders be on Twitter? Like that don't yeah. know what kind of what's going on here. Um, what would be your pitch for kind of an outsider founder that doesn't see the merits of Twitter yet? Well, first of all, as a venture capitalist, we need to be um, constantly confirmed by others and told how great we are. So just that. Of course. And, <laughs> and then outside of that, I just think it's a great networking tool to be able to share content, share your wins as a founder, share, share, um, industry news, things like that. It's just constantly focusing on adding value to a community. You may even find, like I'm speaking to directly the founders. I think the founders may even find that by focusing on adding value and lifting others, kind of, it sounds so cliche, but paying things forward, focusing on the health of the community. You know, we're in a community. So we're like the startup land community, venture community, whatever you want to call it. it it's a, it's a, it's a place that needs people who are committed to its long-term success. And I think the basis of ethics is to, to, to not talk shit about the community, to not talk shit about other founders, to not talk shit about VCs, just to really focus on being positively and reinforces, reinforcing good behaviors. Because really, it's relationship business. Behaviors matter. I mean, I, I'm not perfect. You know, I try my best. Um, I, I know everyone does. It's just uh, just to kind of reinforce that I think it's good to pay into the community that way. And Twitter is a great place to do that, in my opinion. It, it's a great way to um, show that you're there. One thing I do see, though, I'll say with first-time founders, like this is actually, I want to say this, um, and I haven't seen it as much recently, but when I first got started a few years ago, I saw it quite often um, where, where founders almost felt like they needed to go to the big influencers, the big names that everybody knows has, you know, 500K followers and put in kind of snarky snide remarks, just show like, hey, I'm here, you know, pay attention to me, et cetera. I don't think that that's the best value add strategy personally. I think the best value add strategy um, is to is to actually not necessarily um, disagree in the open with highly influential people because they're not going to engage. It's mostly going to be others that are in that feed. They're going to see that. I just think there are better ways than that. And um, you know, maybe you can give me feedback on that too, Matt, because I'm, I'm still learning as I go to be candid. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that every founder is on an individual journey and it's like the journey of like their startup, but also their self-development journey. And like, obviously like I'm on this journey myself. Like you, you follow me on Twitter a few years You're ago. You're kicking I'm, ass. So I'm a little... Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but the, so I appreciate it. But even like you follow me like two years ago and I'm like, I'm kind of like that person you're talking about, right? Like I'm a little more aggressive, a little more opinionated, maybe less EQ. And the thing is like, I think- Well, to- yeah, but the, it's one thing to have a brand. It's another thing to be just a genuine good human. Like, I, I mean, we've shared stages before. I know your MO and like, you know, you may be a little dramatic to stimulate a little bit of hello, but like, you know, at the end of the day, you're not there trying to harm anyone. Well, so uh, of course, like a hundred percent. I mean, I, my, I, I believe my heart's in, in the right place, but, but the, th- the thing is, I guess my point is that I would say most founders also have their heart in the right place. They just might be a certain level of like rawness that That's they right. need to like kind of smooth out to kind of realize, oh, maybe like not bashing people, the influencers is the best way to grow. But yeah. the only way to like learn that is to go through the pains of like the consequences of what happens when you do that. And it's just, it's yeah. just the, it's the journey, the founder's you know, Twitter Matt, journey. Matt, I got to say this because I feel like this, you have an incredible like community and audience and I don't mean like, you know, put anyone on the spot, but I have to say like this aspect of like bashing VCs. So it's weird. Like, you know, a lot of um, mid-tier, you know, employees, senior level associates and analysts have less experience than a general partner who has full ownership you know, control and, and responsibility for, for, let's say, a fund. There's oftentimes, uh, you, by using the tag VC, it sometimes infers that a general partner behaves similarly than to an unexperienced analyst, I find. And, you know, um, it's almost like a straw man argument. And, and I get it. Like, you know, we're in a position of power, so we should be kept in check. I mean, always punch up, right? But at the same time, you know, just candidly, I'm a solo GP. I'm a solo founder. I'm building a small business uh, as a as a fund manager, and um, and I and I and I actually sometimes am like, oh wait a second. Well, you know, <laughs> that seems like a straw man because you know even general partners and even associates or analysts that are just get breaking into the industry, yeah, they need to be kept in check if they're behaving poorly. I totally agree with that. But at the same time, I also think that. Um, that they need a little bit of like cut them some slack too, I would say, because, you know, new first time founders are going to fuck up. They're going to say silly things on Twitter once in a while. And it's, it's okay. I mean, as long as we're being respectful and, and, you know, generous to each other, I think it's all okay. Yes. I I agree with, agree with that. It's the kind of the, uh, the, the kind of the implicit rules and culture of tech Twitter, which anyone that isn't on tech Twitter that is in listening to this conversation. You know, you've heard me talk about it before in other podcasts. We're doing it again here. Please get on Twitter. This is like where it's happening, especially if you're not in one of the, uh, the major tech hubs. Um, and speaking yes. of, you know, Twitter will kind of like, uh, um, you know, where, where, you know, where can people kind of learn more about you and what you're doing and your fund and your Twitter presence? I like guess if someone wanted to connect with you um, kind of after this podcast, because they like what you had to say, how could they do that? Matt, you're incredible. I have to say, you're so great at interviewing. I learned so much from you and I want to thank you for having me and um, being so open-minded. Um, really, follow me on Twitter. Follow you on Matt on Twitter and uh, get engaged. Um, so I, I do these weekly spaces on on, on Twitter right now uh, on BC Impact. Each week we impact kind of a different vertical that has a very high focus on sustainability and impact. Um, do those Fridays, 3.30 p.m. Pacific time to 5 p.m. every, every week. And um, would love, you know, always, you know, you're always welcome, Matt. And um, just want to say thank you again. So hope you have an awesome day. 
Yeah, you too. And just just uh, the one last point to make sure people get get the uh, the handle. What, what is your like? If someone wanted to find you on Twitter, uh-huh. do they need to search your name? Do you have a yep. specific handle? How can they yep. find you? Zeka underscore Len, and um, my DMs are are open. Uh, you know, if anyone want precede, yeah, I mean, my DMs are open. I would just suggest engaging on on Twitter. Just it's such a great value driver again. All right. Well, he said the magic words, which is DMs are open. So if you're a founder listening to this, that's an invitation to ask him questions and learn from uh, him, learn from. I him. want to say one thing though. By saying DMs are open, that does not mean it's socially appropriate to take a screen cap of a private conversation and post it on Twitter. <laughs> that keeps us in check, of course, but definitely not something I encourage. Uh, yeah, I, I completely uh, completely agree with that. One of many learnings that founders will need to go, kind of go through to kind of get to the point where they're where they're <laughs> yes. backable. So cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast, you know, keep up the awesome work with the fund and you know, I'll see you on Twitter. Thank you, Matt. Thank you again. I'll, uh, I don't know if you want to stop recording or <laughs>